If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to Women's Football Success. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. This is episode 1806. Um, I'm actually outside at a practice tonight because I um, went to a family wedding this weekend in Toledo, Ohio. And so I'm a little behind, but I wanna be able to get this episode out to you guys as quick as possible. Um, we didn't do very much promo for this. Um, and we're trying to build up a little bit of content before we put this information out there so that when people find it, they have a lot of content to look through as we're going through this. So this is episode 1806. Real quick, my disclaimer, um, my name is Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. I am an attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. I'm out here at Josie Ranch Field and you can hear the, uh, I guess there's a train going by, but that's fine. Um, so I am licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. Anything that you find on the internet um, with regards to our websites, social media, books, ebooks, any digital or paper content that I put out there is for informational purposes only and it does not create an attorney client relationship. Um, so, with that being said, this week I am talking about starting a women's football team, naming your team, and the initial setup. If I have time, I'm going to get go further for players. I'm gonna create a challenge for them to create a fan base, which helps to promote their image and their brand as a football player. But we'll talk more about that. And again, this radio show is for the basics, um, just to get the information out there for you. It's kind of cool to have all this background, the whistles and the, the different things out here at the football field. So that's pretty cool. Um, but the idea behind the radio show is to get a little bit of content out there and then we will dive deep into these concepts in some other um, formats that we have. We have webinars coming up on starting your women's football team and naming it, etc. But I wanted to just get the basic information out there. So starting a women's football team, let me get over here to my content. So just like any other business, I'm going to start at the before you even start the business. Um, I work a lot with super small businesses, so that's usually zero to 10 employees. These companies either are single entrepreneurs or they have a few employees or they have a lot of volunteers that they work with. So um, women's football fits really well into that because a lot of times you have one or two or three or five people that get paid for something and then you have a lot of volunteers that you have to coordinate and don't necessarily get paid. Um, but before you even start a business, 
there are six things that you need to do before you even start a business plan for the business. First of all, you need to conduct a self-assessment to determine if this is the right type of business for you. A lot of times people get into businesses that they do because they like or because they enjoy. For example, they like doing crafts um, or they like cutting hair, but then they go and find out that they are really not cut out to be a business owner. So um, there's a couple things on my website that you can look at that are they're all free about uh, conducting a self-assessment. Um, but you can also do that on your own through some, um, there's a lot of different tools out there to do an assessment to determine if uh, being a business owner is right for you. Um, and then you need to analyze your business idea. Obviously, we're here in this format to talk about women's business, women's football. So um, you need to analyze whether this business idea is the right one for you and whether you're looking at it in the right way. A lot of people don't realize, but women's football is like 10 businesses in one. So you can be really great at football or you can be really great at the business part and really suck at the other part. So it's important that if you are not able to do all of those tasks or you're not really good at them through the self-assessment to surround yourself with people that are really good at them. And then you need to re research your particular industry. A lot of times people get into leagues and get into teams and, and do things um, without a lot of education, without a lot of research into the industry of women's football. It's very, very important that when you are creating your business that you set yourself up for the best opportunity for success. And in doing that, you have to do research and understand what you're um, getting yourself into. Um, after that, you're gonna determine whether there's a market for your proposed product or service. So a lot of times people go into business and they set up their business, for example, a hair salon, without deciding whether there is a market for that business. So if there's already 10 um, hair salons in the area, it's gonna be very, very difficult for you to get uh, the market share that you need to be a successful business. It's the same in women's football. If there's already a one or two or three teams in that market, then you may need to, ch to pick or choose a different market to be in. You may need to choose an outside suburb or something to that effect to be able to have your women's football team and not be getting into the market of the other competition um, so that you guys can share in the the market as opposed to um, drowning out or uh, directly competing to the point where you are um, hurting the industry or hurting the market that you're in. Next, you're gonna to wanna to evaluate the potential competition. Again, if there's already one or two teams in the area, it may be difficult to start up a new team. Now, there have been situations where it has really worked and complemented each other, and that's usually because the teams are willing to work together. A lot of times, however, uh, teams that are in the same market are there because somebody got mad at somebody, somebody wanted to do something different, somebody wanted to take a team, and split it off from somebody else. Um, and there's been several situations where people wanna take the name or take the product or take the property of one team and keep it for themselves. Um, and that's really um, an unethical business practice, um, but we'll get into that um, on our next episode because we have a lot of information to share there, big surprises. So, um, But with that being said, you wanna evaluate the potential competition in your area. For example, here in Dallas, the Dallas Elite, we have the Arlington Impact and um, 
they're, I consider them our sister team. Um, we really get along with them. Uh, we don't try and um, steal their players. We don't have any really need for them. We figure that, you know, there's like, I don't know, 7 million, 10 million. I don't know how many millions of people are in Dallas. So um, we can easily find 50 or 60 women that want to play football um, as long as we have the time to do that. And um, we can be very successful both in the same um, industry, in the same league. Um, especially with the fact that we're willing to work together. Um, but with that being said, a lot of times teams merge or teams come together or one team falls off. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that one or two or three other teams should come into that market. Um, number three on the things that I suggest that you do before you even start the business plan um, is refine or reevaluate your business idea. So it's really important that once you do this research, once you determine what the market is and then you evaluate your potential competition that you reevaluate your women's football team and the business idea that you have. So um, this is even before you start this business plan. You wanna be able to conduct a self-assessment, analyze the business idea, research the particular industry. Um, women's football um, has been around for like 60 years, but a lot of people don't know about it. Um, but you really need to, if you're going to come into the women's football industry, it's important and you're doing yourself a disservice if you do not do the research and um, know the industry. Then you're, out, you're going to want to determine the market of, of your proposed product or service. Um, a lot of people don't even realize women's football is a product, it's not a service. Um, so then you want to evaluate your potential competition and reevaluate your business idea. This is all before we get to setting up your, your women's football team. So let me switch over real quick. Come. Okay. So I'm going to go to starting your women's football team. And I am going to go through a couple things. Business structures and a checklist that I've put together uh, for starting a business. So. First, I'm gonna do kind of a checklist on starting your uh, women's football team. And again, I specialize in super small business. So this is for people that businesses or women's football teams that are starting with one or two owners. Um, you could probably do it with three owners, but it gets starts to get complicated the more um, levels of ownership and management that you have. But if you're able to work together, then it can go perfectly fine. Here at the Dallas Elite, we have three owners. Um, we're all co-owners. So we um, do a voting system on making decisions, not necessarily everyday decisions like what pens we're gonna buy or what business cards or whatever, but um, on major decisions, we get together and, and uh, go through those. But it's important to know your business partners before you get into a partnership. And we'll talk more about partnerships here in a minute. I'm gonna just go through this uh, checklist on how to start your super small business or your women's football team. And then I'm gonna go through business structure kind of with a fine tooth comb. So first you're gonna wanna do that research and preliminary brainstorming of your women's football team. Um, how you're gonna run it, what different things you're gonna do. And um, then you're gonna select your name and we'll talk about that. That's kind of back and forth, step two and step three and kind of, kind of just fall into it really what is what we did when we named our women's football teams. Um, then you have your business structure and then uh, uh, I suggest that people do a complete business plan. Um, one of the things I hate to hear when I talk to small business owners or super small business owners that are 
um, trying to start a business is they say, oh, I did this one hour business plan. Um, and it's not that I'm against the one hour business plan, but the way I look at it is if you're only willing to spend one hour on planning your business, then you're really not fully invested in this idea. So somebody that's willing to spend a couple hours, couple days on their business plan, that's somebody that really has a passion and has really gone through different scenarios and gone through different ideas to really come up with their final business. So you wanna complete a, a, a business plan and I can show you how to do that. You're gonna to wanna to set up your company telephone number and address. Um, now whether that's a cell phone and a PO box um, depends on your state, whether some states require that you have a actual location, an actual home or business location to put on your um, incorporation papers or your business um, structure paper, papers, but we'll talk about that again in a second. You're gonna register your organization as a business depending on what structure determines which um, place you're gonna register your business at. And then you also have to set up to pay taxes in your city, your state, and sometimes your county as well. And then there's also sometimes some local taxes. And this all depends on where you're at. So some a team in Seattle might have a different um, set of taxes or a different set of ways to go about paying the taxes as the team in Florida. So that's all gonna be local. And you need to know those things because uh, you, you forget to pay these things for two, three, five years and it can really um, become an expensive error on your part. So then you're gonna also want to visit um, the zoning office and other agencies in your area because some places allow home-based businesses if, you, if that's the structure you're going for and other places will not. Sometimes if you're in a subdivision, um, they will not allow you to have certain types of businesses. So you need to make sure before you get all into this stuff that you're gonna be able to um, run the business that you wanna run and do it in a way you wanna do it. So there's a lot of different pieces that go into this. You don't just you know, select a name, set up a business and you're done. Um, and a lot of people do that and get themselves into trouble. So my goal here is for women's football players to um, do this correctly and uh, be very successful at it. So once you've done that, you're gonna wanna establish a federal EIN number. Um, so that's an employer identification number and um, or some people use their social security numbers. I suggest that you get an EIN. It's free. You do it through the irs.gov and type in EIN number and you can put it in there as long as you haven't done like 50 in a day. They'll spit you out a number, tell you what your EIN number is, tell you when you're supposed to file taxes, etc. A lot of people don't know this either is as a business owner, um, sometimes you have to file taxes more than just April 15th. So these are all your responsibilities and ignorance is not an excuse for not paying these taxes. You're gonna, you're gonna be responsible for them. And then once we get through that, you're gonna wanna go through general liability insurance and other insurances. Now, if you're with a women's football league and you pay your league fees, then you are going to have a liability insurance that covers most accidents and other um, situations that are going on. So that's gonna cover anything that happens on and off the football field, traveling to and from football games and practices, and other stuff. Um, anything that happens at the football field on game day or um, during tryouts. 
Finally, after you're done with all those things, then um, you may want to get some additional insurance. A lot of women's football teams um, go with an, an AFLAC type insurance that covers people for major medical or additional medical issues that they have that associated with women's football. Um, and sometimes they do that as a team. Uh, then after that, you're gonna wanna create your business cards, flyers, and advertisements. So for women's football, um, a lot of times you have between 30 and 50 players and um, you can get business cards made up for the players and the coaches and the staff to give out to the community. Um, and that seems to be very successful. Also flyers um, and advertising. Now, I'm gonna go through a couple of these things here in the future weeks of how to do these things on the low down, cheap, 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 get things out there, get things moving, and then move up to other additional big things. Um, and then finally, um, in my checklist, optional business space. Um, if you are looking to have a business uh, location or office set up regularly, where people can come in daily. And um, that's usually in advanced situations. Usually year three to five is when this happens, but sometimes it never happens. So, um, And then hiring employees to help do things on a daily basis. Um, if the women's football team becomes successful and you're doing things every day, sometimes it's important to have somebody to answer the phones every day, etc. cetera. Um, so let's talk about business structure real quick. And um, the reason I say this is because women's football is a business and a lot of times there are people in women's football that know little to nothing about business and like I said before a ignorance is not an excuse if you do not set your business up correctly or you do not pay the right taxes or you do things incorrectly it can be very very um, bad in the end or in the middle when you come to find out that your business structure is not what you thought it was or you didn't pay the taxes when you were supposed to. So let's just talk about basic business structure for women's football. And then we'll go from there into naming your business. And then um, we kind of talked about the checklist on the initial setup, but I wanna go through kind of the steps of doing that um, again in a more formal setting. So business structures for women's football. They're just like any other small business or super small business. You have the sole proprietorship, you have a partnership. There's different kinds of partnerships. There's general, limited, limited liability, limited, limited liability. I mean, there's several partnerships. And then there's the limited liability company, which is the LLC. There's a corporation, which is either an S corp or a C corp. And then there's also a nonprofit. Now, depending, none of these are wrong or right. It all depends on what your priorities are and what your goals are for the organization. Uh, so sole proprietorship, this is usually where um, companies start out. Now, I don't give legal advice um, on these things, but I do not suggest as a business owner that you set up a sole proprietorship for a women's football team. It is not a legal entity. It is not separate from the owner. Profits and losses are taxed on your personal taxes. So if I'm set up as a sole proprietor and the, the women's football team loses $10,000 this year, that goes on my taxes and against my personal taxes. Um, 
the business operates under your own name as opposed to a company name. Um, and that's that can happen. I could have Lynn Liberty's football team doing business as the Dallas Elite. I don't, but that could happen. Um, the reason I don't recommend that is because of the significant amount of liability there is in women's football. And having it as a sole proprietorship makes you completely responsible for everything. All the liability falls on the owner when there's a sole proprietorship. So let's talk about a partnership and several women's football teams are set up as partnerships. Um, I've always been told in business to never, ever, ever do a partnership. And guess what? I'm set up in a, in a, I'm actually set up in a limited liability company, but we have a partnership agreement with our partners. Um, so I'll talk about that a little bit here too. Um, so let's talk about partnerships. It is a business formed by two or more parties. So you cannot have a one person partnership. And if you have two people in a partnership and one dies or one leaves, the partnership it goes away. The partnership does not exist. Unless it is a limited liability partnership, all of the partners share in the management and profits. So if it is a general partnership and there's two partners, both partners are responsible for everything. Now in a partnership, you only pay tax on the amount you receive from the partnership. So even if the partnership, let's say the partnership makes $10,000 and there's two partners. So each partner would be responsible for 5,000 if they got all that money. Now if they leave 4,000 of each person's partnership money in the partnership, so that would be 4,000 from one partner and 4,000 from the other, leaving $2,000, then one partner would pay tax on 1,000 and one partner would pay tax on the other 1,000. In a general partnership, all share in the business profits and liabilities. So the big thing or the big drawback to general partnerships is the fact that if there's two people in the partnership and I go and buy an airplane for the company in the company's name. Both partners are responsible for that purchase, even though maybe both partners didn't agree to it. Now, there's some things that go into the partnership liability, uh, the, the, li the partnership agreement. So if it's in the agreement that we can't make those kinds of decisions without the other one agreeing, then it may end up a little bit differently. But if you start a women's football team in a partnership and somebody goes out and buys $30,000 in equipment, both of you are responsible for paying that bill. Let's talk a little bit about a general partnership. Now we have a dog whining and an airplane flying, baseball bat hitting. That's awesome being out here. Um, let's talk about the limited partnership. It's okay. It's okay. Somebody's dog, I don't know whose that is. But anyway, so on a limited partnership, the general partner and the limited partners uh, have a different setup for profits and liabilities. Where a general partner is personally liable for the business, the limited partners are only liable for what they invested. So let's say that the general, the partnership um, has $100,000.
and the general partner put in 80,000 and the limited partner put in 20,000. The limited partner is only gonna be responsible up to that 20,000. They, nobody can come after them. Nobody can come after them to go get another 80,000 from them. They can only, they can only lose the 20,000 they already invested. So in a limited liability partnership, there's always a general partner, at least one general partner, and at least one limited partner. General partnerships with limits on liability to all general partners. You can set up a partnership where it's limited liability, limited partnership. This form protects the general partners as well as the, the limited partners. So if you just have, like I said, if you have a general partnership, everybody's a general partner. If you have a limited partnership, some can be general, some can be limited. If you have a limited liability partnership, the general partner, general partnership with limits on the liability to the general partners. Now the limited liability, limited partnership, this form protects the general partner by limiting his liability as well. So that's kind of a catch-all. Everybody's, everybody is protected in a limited liability, limited partnership. Let's get on to limited liability company or LLC. A lot of people, um, this is kind of the go-to, not just for women's football, but for super small businesses in general. And the reason is because it can be formed with one person or multiple people. It's created under state law. So there's actually rules and regulations that go on with it, where a partnership is just between the two partners. A partnership doesn't necessarily get uh, um, formed within the state or within the state laws. It's just between the two partners. But the limited liability company is under state law and each state will have different laws on how they are created and what rules they go by. Members of the co company are not held personally liable for any of the debts or liabilities. So. If you set up a limited liability company and you put $10,000 into that, um, you can lose that $10,000, but they can't come after you for anything else on a personal level. It kind of combines a corporation and a partnership, um, but there's a lot of different positive things as well, uh, additional positive things than uh, corporations. So corporations, there's almost like a double taxing and partnership, it's a single taxing, but partnerships, you're gonna have that liability, whereas the, the LLC, you won't. So you have to find the right form of business for your situation and what you're trying to accomplish. So again, with the LLC, the LLC has flow through tax, like a partner, partnership, doesn't get double taxed like, an L, like a corporation. You can have a one owner LLC, and that would then be taxed like a sole proprietor. You can have a multi-owner LLC that can be taxed like a partnership or a corporation, depending on how you select to do that. Now corporations, um, I'm not gonna get too, too much into corporations in women's football. There's another airplane. I'm in Dallas, so there's the DFW airport and there's Love Field, so there's gonna be a lot of airplanes. But with that being said, um, 
Corporations for women's football are limited. Um, when, I, when you think corporation, you're gonna think stocks, like multiple investors. There, there are a couple of teams that are set up, like um, they call them player owned. And I'm not sure that they have a foundational setup as a corporation, or if they just say each player has a little bit of ownership and each player pays into this ownership each month, each year. I'm not sure. Um, but you can set up a women's football team like a corporation, but it does it's not common. So again, you can have an S Corp, which is a pass-through entity, and a C Corp, which is not a pass-through entity. But again, think of stocks. Um, so with a, with a corporation, the business is not, you don't tax your income reported to your owners. It's, hold on, let me say that again. Business is not taxed. The income reported is on your owner's tax return. So all the profits and losses pass through to the owners each year. So at the end of the year, if there's a, uh, a profit or a loss, it goes straight to the company, it, or it goes straight to the owner. It doesn't stay with the, the corporation. You can't have more than 100 shareholders. So that's tricky when you have a women's football team and you have 50 players, and then if it's player owned, and then 10 of those players leave, um, do they still have ownership? Or do 10 new players have ownership and now 60 ownership have ownership? Or do those players lose their ownership when they leave? Um, and that should be in a, some sort of a, an agreement or contract if that is the case. Um, so uh, again, on corporations, business are taxed and individuals are, are usually taxed through distributions of dividends, um, where you may have heard from when you have a stock or usually like Intel or Pepsi or something, you have stock and you get dividends per month or per quarter. Um, but again, women's football teams usually, typically are not set up as corporations. Um, the next one, so LLCs was a big one, and the next one I'm gonna talk about is non-profit corporation. Now, some women's football teams are set up this way, and what they're doing or what they're trying to do is be tax, get tax-exempt status. Um, you can set yourself up as non-profit and if you don't do the right things, you will not be tax exempt. So, it's very important to get legal advice, accounting advice, and business setup advice. But with that being said, a nonprofit organization is set up to meet specific tax exempt status. It must be formed for the benefit of the public, a specific group of people or membership. Um, it cannot be organized for the purpose of making a profit. It needs to be a charitable organization. For example, a church, a club, Red Cross, etc. And usually it benefits from a couple different things. You can get grants as a nonprofit, you can get lower postage, you're exempt from income, sales, and property tax. But to get tax-exempt status, you must complete an application. There's over 20 classifications in nonprofits. A lot of people think of the 501c3 is what they come up with. Everybody talks about the 501c3, but actually there are several 
different 501s. There's a 501c8, there's a 501c10. Um, veterans organizations are typically 501c19s and 50c23s. And I have that all listed on the form that I'm gonna put out for you guys. So how do you tell which organization or which structure is right for you? First, that's gonna depend on how many owners. If you have one owner, then that kind of knocks out the partnership. Now, what type of owners? Now, are these gonna be shareholders? Are they gonna each have a share? Is there gonna be 50 of them, 60 of them? Then you're looking more at a corporation. Um, and the amount of personal liability. If you're willing to take on all the personal liability for your women's football team, then you may wanna look at a sole proprietorship, but that's all up to you. Um, you also wanna look at, and these are kind of behind the scenes things that you wanna think about, skills and abilities. Um, having a nonprofit requires a lot more money. You need to have um, accountants do your accounting for you to um, submit to the federal government. Um, if you don't have these skills or you're not a CPA already, then you probably need to get one. And then of course, looking at your amount of startup money. If you don't have very much startup money, then a nonprofit may not be the way to go because um, some of the forms, depending on the state that you're in, can be three, four, five, six hundred dollars um, There can be a state fee and a federal fee. And then of course, there's all your um, business setup fees and your location, your insurance. So that goes into it. And then um, another thing that you wanna look at to kind of decide which business structure is your day-to-day -day operations. Is this gonna be a part-time um, seasonal thing where you just do women's football um, from April through July, or is this gonna turn into a full, um, full year business in women's football? Um, so that is kind of how, how you help determine um, what kind of structure you're gonna have in your women's football team. Let's kind of get into the women's football name and the do's and don'ts of setting up your women's football name. So one of the big things that people don't realize is there's some copyright issues, there's some uh, other things that go into selecting your football name. You wanna make sure that it's not similar to another women's football team. You probably wanna make sure that it's not similar to other youth football teams and other organizations in the community. For example, when you're doing your basic research on women's football teams names, I, I always suggest that you pull out every women's football team name that has been in existence and make sure that your name is not close to those. Now, for example, there's some teams that, there's a lot of Phoenixes, there's a lot of Falcons, um, some of them, there's a couple forces. I think there's a Chicago force. I think there was a Pittsburgh force at one time. Um, so you really need to make sure and do your research before you name your women's football team. The other thing that a lot of people look at is your mascot. Some of the women's football teams um, that are set up don't have a mascot or have set their names up to make it difficult to have a mascot. The first team I always thought about was the Dallas Diamonds. It's hard to have a mascot that's a diamond. Um, so when we created our first teams, we wanted to make sure that there was some sort of mascot um, associated with that. So the Lone Star Mustangs, the Tulsa Eagles, the Little Rock Wildcats, so that we could have some sort of mascot. Now, if you're not 
interested in having a mascot for your women's football team, then that really doesn't matter to you. But, um, for example, the Dallas Elite, um, and there's been some articles out there about what is the Dallas Elite as far as a mascot. Um, which is a very, actually, humorous article if you get to go see uh, Reed Neal's article on that. It's very cute. Um, and we've talked back and forth about his comments in his article. So, um, with that being said, the by doing the research and knocking out all the team names that have already been created, you can then um, brand yourself and set your organization up separate and different from all the other women's football teams that have already been started. That doesn't mean that you can't be a Mustang or you can't be a Phoenix or you can't be a Falcon, but it's really important that you um, kind of go through these. Um, when we were first making up our women's football t team names um, way back when, we went through some, I mean, we the Armadillos, the Homewreckers, the... Um, the groundhog. I mean, we went through like every mascot we could possibly think of, and that's when we locked into the Lone Star Mustangs because it's Texas, there's horses, and the Mustang is a wild horse. So um, we thought it was fitting to have Texas and wild horses and, and women's football all associated. So when you get to that point where you've had this, got the structure down, you've got the business name down. Um, then you can actually start on the process of setting up your women's football team. You've already done all your brainstorming, and then you want to do this business plan. Now, your business plan is going to include your business name, your business structure, all of the, the taxes and insurance that you're going to set up, your federal EIN number. Um, you'll start to get your phone number. So all of this stuff will start to come together into a great um piece of work and plan for you to go forward in the upcoming women's football season. Let's get into the setup of the different parts of women's football. And this again is just basic. Like I was talking about before, women's football is actually about like 10 businesses in one. So you have the football and you have the tryouts and you have the practices, but you also have concession stand and locker room and water girl and all these different things that you have to deal with. You have fundraising, you have event planning, um, merchandise, website design. So there's a lot of different things that go into women's football and um, there's a lot of tasks and a lot of things to do. So inside your business plan, you need to go through those different things. Um, again, we already got our business name, our business structure, but next in your business plan, you want to do tryouts because if you're starting a business, if you're starting a women's football team, you don't have any players yet. Let's uh, you want to lay out how you're going to do a tryout and what it's going to consist of, um, how you're going to do practices, when you're going to start practices, what those are going to consist of, what's your marketing plan, how are you going to get out there so that you can understand and know how many players you're going to have, and this is all kind of a big circle. I call it the circle of life. If I don't get out there and do marketing to gain all those people knowing about women's football, then I can't do very many, I won't have very many people at tryouts, which means I won't have very many players, which means I have to do more tryouts to get more players. So that also sets up your game plan inside your business plan of what you're going to do when. 
So this is this is a big deal. Setting up a women's football team is a big, big task. It's not difficult. You can make it very simple. You can make it difficult if you want to and make it complicated. But doing it can be very simple and I can help you with that if you want the help. So women's football as an industry, um, as I've talked about before, um, it's a win-win situation. If I'm successful and you're successful, then the industry as a whole can be successful. If only two or three teams are being successful, then it's very difficult to get the recognition for women's football that we need to grow it as a sport and as, as an industry. I'm going to move along here real quick and talk about initial setup. And it's it goes with starting a women's football team and naming the football team and the structure of the football team. But please note that in every different state, there's going to be different policies and procedures um, and processes that each state requires for you to set up your business. So most importantly, you're going to want to go to each state's website or location. If you're going to do a LLC, a limited liability company, then you have to set up with the secretary of state in your state. If you're going to do a sole proprietorship, then it's a different place to go to set up your company. But the initial setup process is going to be different for each organization. For example, in New Mexico, um, there's a process that you go through where you set up your entity name and then you have to go to the zoning office to see if you're allowed to set up that entity in the location that you're wanting to. So for a home-based business, if not necessarily in women's football, but I guess it could, it could um, apply because you're going to be getting shipments of equipment. You know, if you order 40 sets of shoulder pads, it doesn't come in this little package, it comes in these big, big boxes. So some city ordinances and city policies um, or even um, subdivision policies make it so that you cannot you cannot get those large shipments on a regular basis. Now you're not going to be getting them on a regular basis, but some of the ordinances in your subdivision may say that you cannot get large packages like that. So you may be in a situation where the place that you live um, requires that you have a PO box or that you have a brick and mortar. Uh, place of business to do your business, which is then going to change up kind of how you run your business and possibly your business structure and possibly your business name for that matter. So in New Mexico, you had to go through the zoning process. So you set up your name, set up your address, then you went through zoning, and then you went and got an EIN number through the government. And then you went and set up your bank account. Now, please note, when you're doing these things, go by your state's requirement or your city's requirements because you go to try to set up, for example, this happens all the time, uh, some of the women's football teams will set up, let's say, business cards. And they get these business cards and realize that they don't have their address or a PO box on their business cards or they don't have their phone number yet to put on the business card. So they order all these business cards, send them back. They have an email address. They might have a website address, but they don't have their phone number or vice versa. They've been able to get their phone number, but they haven't put their email and website on there. Then they go to get their website and the website's not available the way that they either printed it on their business cards or didn't print it at all. 
So now they have these business cards with no website. Or you have a business card with no phone number because you haven't gone out and gotten your cell phone or your landline. Same thing with the EIN number and the bank account. You can't set up a bank account without an EIN number. If you're going to not have an EIN number, then you're gonna use your social security number, which means that you're not going to be a partnership. You're not gonna be a corporation. So all these things kind of fit together um, and each of your states will have a set of like a checklist to go through for your form of business and how you're going to set things up. But let me just kind of give you the overall um, setting up your business, setting up your name, setting up your business structure, registering with the state, going through any zoning that you need to go through, doing your EIN number, then doing a bank account, then doing a phone, then doing business cards. And we will have some uh, a full webinar on how to set this up in more detail to take you through the steps step by step. If you guys have any questions about women's football, feel free to reach out to us. I'm going to go ahead and put some information up here. We are getting ready to do this, the Facebook group, Women's Football Success, to help people kind of communicate and collaborate within women's football. If you don't know it yet, this is episode 6, 1806, and we've done some several episodes already. We we didn't want to really promote it before we had a few episodes because I know in women's football, um, you guys start looking around and, and seeing different things and you want to see content. And it's really important to have content to look at when you want it. So we uh, went through a couple different basics. And again, the radio show is for the basics. This is just to get some information, some ideas flowing. But we've talked a little bit about tryouts. We've talked about hosting a football game, player promotion, ticket sales, coaching, player sponsorships, corporate sponsorships, social media for support staff, a couple fundraisers that we've done before that have been very successful. We talked about Football 101. If you haven't checked it out yet, um, an episode, I don't know what that was, episode two, 1802, I talked about uh, a Football 101 uh, booklet coming. That's out there. Um, you can find it in a couple places on social media, and it's going to be available on the um, supersmallbiz.com, and you click on Women's Football Success. You can get that football uh, booklet for women football players that are coming on that might not know everything about women's football um, and, and don't know the basics yet. So um, we went into event planning. We talked about flexible schedules for coaching. And then we talked about concession stands, player contracts, ownership, unity in women's football. So we've talked a little bit about a lot of different topics, but we're going to delve a little bit deeper here as we get into these other episodes. I was hoping to be able to get to this week um, fan base for players because a lot of the a lot of women's football is based on fan base. And it's kind of, again, that circle of life that I call it. If you don't have fans, then you can't have ticket sales. If you can't have ticket sales, then players need to pay to play. If the player has a fan base and has people coming out and interested in their merchandise and interested in stuff with their name on it, then you, they may be able to raise enough funds on their own to be able to increase 
the overall profit to the team and become a very um, big part of the organization. So, or a lot of players just want to create their own fan base just to have a fan base, which is pretty cool. But in order to get these sponsorships, in order to get these big player sponsorships and these big corporate sponsorships, there has to be a fan base, not only on a team level, but on an individual player level. And I want to talk about that. I don't feel that I have enough time to finish that up in this episode. So I'm going to devote a significant amount of time to that next episode, episode 1807, to uh, for players and creating that initial, uh, creating that fan base. I'm going to provide a couple worksheets maybe and some templates on how to challenge a player, how players could challenge themselves to creating more of a fan base for the for themselves as an individual. So I really appreciate you guys coming out and listening to the show. Again, we're um, getting ready to start the Women's Football Success um, Facebook page or Facebook group. And we'll be doing that where there's something, a different topic each week or each day of the week. And there'll be somebody moderating and kind of guiding through the discussions through the day. I'm really excited about that. And then again, we're just going to keep going with the topics for the episodes. We have a webinar coming out. We have Football 102 coming out as well. And it's just getting through and tackling each of these different uh, tasks that I really want to get done for women's football. And again, if you're successful and I'm successful, then as a group, as an industry, then organizations want to tap into that success and want to tap into that fan base and get their products and services seen by our fans. I really appreciate you guys coming out and listening today. And we will be on next week with the fan base topic. And I'm really going to delve deep into that and kind of stick to that the whole hour. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Uh, Women's football success at gmail.com, or you can um, contact me through the football team, which is a Dallas Elite Women's Football at gmail.com. Or if you guys get a hold of my phone number on, on social media or whatever, feel free to give me a call and um, I will answer your questions as well as I can, or I will get the answers for you. You guys have a great week of women's football. We're getting ready to go into. This should be week eight of the regular season. We're really excited about that. We play the Austin Outlaws at Pennington Field at 7 p.m. on Saturday, and we're looking forward to hosting them. They've been um, with the league for a long, long time. We were friends with them for a long time, Lily Messina, 